Welcome to Hashtag Love Yourself. I'm your host, Jesse Jobson, and I'm going to guide you on your personal journey towards self-love. Hi, my beautiful souls. Welcome back. Today, we are going to talk about abuse in relationships and why it's so important to know and understand this information and to have this knowledge and this awareness about what abuse actually is. Before we dive in, let's go ahead and thank today's sponsor for bringing us this amazing episode for free. Thank you, Loveworkers LLC. A little bit about the company. That's the company that I run. It's an online company where I um, promote and educate people on how to be the best selves. And um, I do that through teaching things like self-love, healthy boundaries, healthy attachment, good self-esteem. I do have um, Love Yourself courses. I also have a Heart Chakra Healing course. I also have Twin Flame Ascension courses. And I do um, coaching calls. So I do Twin Flame Ascension coaching. And I also do self-love coaching. If those are things that you are interested in and want to check out more of what I provide, go ahead and um, I'll put the link in the description for you guys to check me out. All right, let's jump into the information in the episode. One of the reasons why when I think of relationships, one of the most important aspects of thinking of a healthy relationship outside of ourselves with others is to have knowledge and awareness um, if something is unhealthy because you don't know what you don't know, right? And So if you don't know that you are being abused or that you are abusing someone or something, right, then there's no way for you to stop, right, that chain of pain and that abuse cycle that you're in, right? There's no way to stop it because you don't know you're in it. And the reason why I bring that up is because I, it wasn't until my mid-30s that I discovered that not only was I in an abusive marriage, but that I had been... Uh, raised with a lot of abuse throughout my life. Um, And then also that I had, you know, lots of unhealthy, abusive, you know, connections and friendships that I didn't understand were actually abusive because to me that label seemed so large and I didn't really truly understand what abuse was. So it wasn't until my mid-30s that I really started to learn about health at such a deeper level that I recognized that I I woke up to recognizing that I was in an abusive relationship and that most of my connections that I had at the time were abusive themselves. Um, And so since when you don't know what you don't know, right, um, I think it's really important for people to understand what abuse is. And when I go out into the community, right, and I have conversations with, you know, strangers or people that I meet for the first time, a lot of the feedback that I'm hearing from people when I tell them the kind of the line of work that I'm in um, is that people don't, they also don't understand what abuse truly is, right? And so... That's why I find it to be really important when we do start to, you know, look at, okay, what does it take to be in a healthy relationship, right? What does it take to, to have a relationship predominantly go smoothly? And, you know, every relationship is going to have its rough patches, its bumps. That's normal. 
We're all human. Nobody's going to match each other perfectly. And even if you do, there's still going to be bumps along the way, right? But predominantly, there it shouldn't be a rocky road, right? Predominantly in relationships, we shouldn't feel bad and negative and shouldn't have negative experiences. But if we in society and in, in our cultures, at, you know, in our communities and in our homes, if we are used to, right, dysfunction, um, then we aren't going to understand that that is actually unhealthy, right? And so I'm going to give you a, a little statistic that I recently found that um, I researched and I just, it blew me away when I found it out. And that's why I did a little bit, bit deeper research on it. Um, and it, and it proved to be, um, to hold water is that 95% of all families and all homes in across the world, this is not just within one particular country or another, but 95% of the whole worldwide families and homes are dysfunctional, okay? And that there's mental and, and emotional abuse within them. That doesn't mean that there's physical abuse in them, right? But that there is some form of abuse and dysfunction within the families and homes within our societies and cultures we live in. Now that's, that to me, that statistic is astonishing. Okay. It is so large. It's so big that we have really lost sight of, um, health, right? Health with one another, health within ourselves. And so if, if we don't know what abuse is, we can't, um, begin to even stop it. So the first um, oh, the first step is your awareness to it. And so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to work on the awareness piece and aspect and really define what is abusive in a relationship so that you can have those parameters within your mind within, you know, you can look into the relationships that are already existing in your life, right? Um, and we can't really go over mental abuse um, in this lesson, but we're going to go over emotional abuse because this is more emotional abuse. If you detect emotional abuse in your relationships and in your life, right? Um, and if you, if we go over these, uh, what emotional mental or emotional abuse is, um, and you feel like you you hit a lot of the things that we're going to talk about today, then I really suggest that you go ahead and on your own research what mental abuse is. Um, there's going to be a lot of overlapping things about mental and emotional abuse. But once you start to recognize like that predominantly people are emotionally abusive, you know, in society, right? But that we don't have to behave that way. It's a choice, right? And that we don't have to um, be a part of it if we don't want to. It's, you have a power, you have power in your choice, okay? Um, and that um, if you if you decide to stop and you decide to put up healthy boundaries and, and really value yourself and put up um, parameters to say, I am worth so much more than being abused and I'm not gonna allow people to do that to me and I'm not gonna do that to others, um, then we can, from there, from that place, right, then um, you can move into like the deeper layers. And I feel like it really starts with in relationships, if we really take this like 
outer layer of emotional abuse and we, we really start to scale that back, then we can go deeper into some of the people that are on um, the deeper end of the spectrum that are in the mental abusive relationships as well. Okay. So let's, um, let's start to go over, you know, what emotional abuse really is. Um, because like I said, most of us, we are not used to coining, um, or not coining, we're not used to understanding what this term really is. And we think it's really a lot bigger than some of the, the things that act the attributes to it. So let's really define it. The types of emotional abuse. First off, we have verbal abuse, right? And this one is super duper common and people don't even bat an eye at it anymore. Like you'll hear people being emotionally abusive to each other in public constantly at restaurants, um, wherever at the mall. Like I, it, it, I hear it all over the board, right? Like people uh, yelling at each other, talking down to each other, cussing at one another. Um, so it's yelling, swearing, name calling, threatening, and starting arguments is verbal abuse, right? And so you can expand from there into those, you know, separate categories, but that one's pretty point blank when you are being verbally abused, right? Um, it's not okay. It's not okay once it's not okay twice. Right. Um, but it's really thick in our society. So it has become something that we say it's okay. And, and I'll never forget when someone said that, um, predominantly our world, you know, what we say is normal and acceptable forms of communication is actually really abusive. Like when they really dissect how most people talk to each other, it's abusive, right? Okay, the next type of emotional abuse is placing unrealistic and unreachable expectations on others. So expecting people to put their needs before before anything else in your own, own life. So like if someone wants you to put them as number one, wants you to put everything above your own needs, all that good stuff. Um, this is really common. We teach our females to be nurturing, right? And, and to be the super moms and be the super women, right? We, and not to say that we don't do that to males because we do, but I see it really, um, heavy in females where we groom them from a really young age to take care of everyone else before you take care of yourself to be selfless, right? And that's self-abuse. When you start to take that on and you start to um, behave in a way where you, and you think you're being a do-gooder of like, I'm selfless, I have no needs. That's because you've been abused at some point in your life. And I am, I am that as well. I'm a victim of that abuse from a very early age at a child where everybody else's needs were more important than mine. And I learned really early on that if I had no needs, right, that it, it was much, um, it was much like, like our family dynamic got along much better if I, if I was needless. Right. And so I became, um, a typical codependent people pleaser as an adult from that experience. Right. And then that just slowly moved me. I was like a clear target for, you know, those types of relationships where people were interested in taking advantage of what I had to offer, right? Because I didn't have any needs. And if I did have any needs and wanted to talk about them, 
I, I could be easily shut down emotionally, right? Like someone could just be abusive to me and yell at me or demean me. And then I would, then I would, you know, get checked right back into that box. Oh, you're right. I don't need to have needs because now I'm unlovable. You're now you're signaling to me that it's, I'm not okay to have the need that I, you know, try to step out of the box and say that I could have it. Oh, you're right. Put me back in the box. I don't need it. Right, because if I if I have the needs, then you're gonna tell me I'm not lovable. You're gonna show me that I'm not worth sticking around for. So you're gonna you know abandon me or leave me, and so I'll stick in that box, right? And that's kind of like the mental, it, you know, it goes on in your subconscious. So it's really hard for people to understand that that's what's going on in your own brain, right? Um, is that you? It's all happening subconsciously. So, and you're being trained by all these circumstances and all these events throughout a lifetime, right? So by the time you get into your 20s, by the time you get into your 30s, it's like, like you know, a million layers of an onion stacked on top of each other. And that's just how you function, right? You don't even think about it. Oh, I just put everybody before me. Oh, I'm just, you know, prove, constantly proving to others my worth, Right? that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so with this whole placing unrealistic and unreachable expectations on others, um, when someone's doing that to you, usually they're not allowing you to disagree with them, right? You're not allowed to have a higher opinion or a different opinion than them, right? Um, and they're, then they're going to criticize you for it. They're going to criticize you for not living up to their standards. I know for one thing for me, and this is really popular in our society today, is that my body style isn't what um, mainstream society says. Like, y yeah, I'm, you know, I'm fit, right? But mainstream society says, you know, big breasts, big booties, tiny little waists, um, and, you know, the certain skin colors, you know, all that is what is sexy right now, right? And I don't fit that box, right? Like there are some things that I fit in, right? In that societal mainstream, what is sexy and what is hot box. But there's a lot of things that are don't fit in that box for me, right? And I remember when I was in one of my most intimate relationships, one of my longest long-term relationships, I was constantly reminded that I'm, I wasn't those things, right? I was constantly like shown that I wasn't the desired, right? That I wasn't the wanted, that, that they had that desire and that I wasn't it, right? And, um, and so was someone constantly showing you that you're not good enough, right? Like sending you that message through like making you feel bad about your body or making comments about, oh, yeah, you'll never have that. And I am attracted to it, but I gave that up because I, you know, I, I care about you. It's like, that's not supportive of loving all of you, right? And so it's really important to know, and this is the things that we're not taught, right? That's why I'm doing this work. We're not taught this. We're not taught to recognize that you know, don't, don't you value yourself enough that you want someone who's crazy about you, right? Don't you value yourself enough that you want to find someone that is attracted to your body, that's attracted to what you look like, and that 
is so excited for what you look like because there's going to be a million people out there that want you and want your body style, right? And then there's going to be the same amount, if not more, that don't want you, right? But why would you spend your time chasing after these people that don't want it? That should just be your flag of like, oh, we don't match then, right? You want something different than me and that's okay, right? There you go, right? So you should want people that are crazy about you and crazy about your body, whatever that is for you, okay? But having that unrealistic and unreachable expectation of like, um, of like you you being something that you're never going to be, right? And them only desiring that. And that's not healthy. That's not, that's abuse in a relationship, okay? And then um, another part of that is like showing dissatisfaction no matter how much effort that you put into a relationship. I remember um, there in one of my biggest relationships, um, it was like no matter how how much I tried to like learn, you know, the, you know, to cook different aspects of this, it was always, oh, it's okay. Like no matter how much effort I put into dinner, no matter how much it was, oh, you're okay. You're not that great at it. Like, you know, no matter how much I really put effort into a skill, it was like, um, I never got validated for like the energy and the work that I had put into it. It was always like, oh, you're just all right. And that's abusive, right? And we don't recognize it as that because, again, we're not taught in in today's society. Nobody teaches you that when when someone's constantly like trying to knock you down a peg, and that's what it is, right? When they're like not giving you, you know, and that's the thing is like not everybody's going to be crazy about you, right? But but don't you want to surround yourself with people that are crazy about you, right? Like, and not to say that like. Like you just need to get up and walk away from everybody, right? That it that isn't because you're going to find people like you're going to grow up in a family, right? But that's the thing is like you can still be family with, but most people with their families, their birth families, it is, it's not a, for most people, it's not a thing to be with them all the time and have them be your best friends because you grow up in a family, right? And 95% of them are dysfunctional, so most likely it's dysfunctional. And you recognize that you guys are different people with different passions, different likes. You came in into this family, but to be different on different paths and to do different life purposes. And so you love each other, and that will always remain, and you'll see each other during different parts of the year, right? But being each other's best friends and you know is really usually unlikely. It's not it's not the norm, right? Not to say that it can't happen and that that's not beautiful if it does. If it does, that's awesome, right? But predominantly, that's not the case. And so um, you can still have respect and love for someone like a family member, a distant family member, because once you leave that family home and you make your own family, then that becomes your secondary family, right, that you grew up in. Um, doesn't mean that you can't have respect and, and appreciation and gratitude for them, but that doesn't also mean that you need to... Um, go chasing after them, right? That you need to, that you need to be, um, because 
because they're not they're not crazy about you. Most people's family is not crazy about them, and that's okay. And and maybe your mom because your mom moms will always be crazy about their kids usually. You know, like that that is a thing, right? But and dads too. But I feel like um, if people aren't crazy about you, then value yourself a little bit more. You want to be surrounded by people that are crazy about you, right? Okay, next. Uh, form of emotional abuse is gaslighting. And now this one's really, really important because it's really, really popular and it, nobody knows it. And, and, and one of the keys to the recipe of this one being effective is that the person gaslighting their target, right? Or their victim, they, it works because the person doesn't know what gaslighting is. So if we all just became aware of what gaslighting was, right? If we all took this course, <laughs> if we all learned about what gaslighting is and we all have this amazing awareness, then guess what? Gaslighting wouldn't have the power that it has over people because we would be like, hey, that's gaslight. That's gaslighting. Hey, you just gas you just did that to me and I'm not going to take it. Like it's not acceptable. That's not a healthy relationship and and I'm going to put up a boundary now, right? Um, but we don't know about gaslighting. And like I said, I didn't know about it till I was like 36 years old. And I remember I was telling people about what was going on in my personal life. And I kept hearing that term. I kept hearing people say, um, he was gaslighting you. You're being gaslighted. And I was like, that's like the fifth time that someone said that. What does that mean? <laughs> and I, then I, when I had to look it up, then I started to realize that how like, prevalent it is, not just in intimate relationships, but in society in general. And now it's really clear when I'm watching a movie, I can see it on a movie screen. When I'm in public at a doctor's office, I can, you know, detect when someone professional is being unprofessional and doing it. Um, it's easy to see once you have the knowledge. So let's go over what that is. So gaslighting is distorting someone's perception of reality. So trying to convince you, and most of the time this is how it goes, is like trying to convince you that things didn't happen the way you believed them to happen, the way that you experienced it, okay? They try to make you think that oftentimes they'll try to use the whole, you know, quotations crazy, right? Like you made that up. You got really jealous and thought you saw something you didn't, you know? They're trying to, to change the reality of the situation. They're trying to change your reality of what really happened because they don't want to take accountability is usually the driving force behind it, right? Um, so if they refuse to acknowledge that your feelings or opinions are there and that valid, that's a form of gaslighting again, right? They don't have to agree with you, but they do as a human being and being in a relationship, even if it's an intimate relationship or not, no matter what kind of relationship it is, you don't have to agree with me, but you have to be respectful and you have to be kind, right? And if you can't do those things, then another boundary needs to go up, right? And that's the thing is that most people aren't um, recognizing that like people don't have to People don't have to agree, but they don't have to be mean about it. And they don't have to, they don't have to discount you. They don't have to disrespect you for it, right? And when they are, then it's, then you know that it's an unhealthy relationship, right? An unhealthy strain in your relationship with that person. Okay. And then accusing you of being too sensitive or crazy, 
that um, I have experienced that a lot in my life of being too sensitive, right? All that really means is that the other person doesn't feel the same way about the situation that you do, right? You're too sensitive. There's no such thing as too sensitive. It just means that it's not important to them, but it is important to you, obviously, right? Um, and then another form of gaslighting is dismissing your wants, your needs, or undeserved, or, uh, yeah, undeserved, or as ridiculous, right? Like making you s seem like, like you don't deserve that and that, that you're, what you're wanting is ridiculous and I'm not going to give that to you, right? Or that you, you shouldn't be asking for that. That's, that's crazy, right? Um, so if, if that is happening, you know, I mean, if there's a one-off, right, we can like judge those things with grace, right? There's a one-off. But if it happens more than once, and I would even say that if it happens once, you can kind of like be like, if it's a real true one-off, you can be like, okay, it's a yellow flag. But if you have more than one yellow flag, that is a red flag. You start adding flags together that are not red, that makes them red, okay? Um, the next one is mandating how you should feel and not accepting that you would feel any other way. So when someone tries to tell you how you need to feel about something, not okay, that's gaslighting. And we need to know that that's gaslighting, okay? All right. Um, so the next form of emotional abuse is emotional blackmail. And this is another really common one that... Again, I feel like we hear the term the emotional blackmail and it sounds bigger, right? Like just like abuse, right? And it sounds so big that you you think of like the extreme and then you don't recognize when people are actually emotionally blackmailing you. So let's go over some ways that, pe that people can be emotionally blackmailing um, and you can clearly see. So if someone's making you feel guilty, or shameful about things that are not your fault, right? Trying to make you feel low about you and trying to trying to make make it seem like things are your fault when they're not. They're clearly not yours, your fault. Um, the next one is humiliating you in front of others or when you're alone. Um I'm a, you know, I've done a lot of serving in my life at restaurants and um this one it seems to just be common for, you know, uh, abusive people, you know, like when they're just blatantly abusive, they'll come in with their families and, you know, I, it breaks my heart when I see this with um, children, but you'd be surprised how many times adults sit down with kids and they'll, they'll try to humiliate the kid to me as the server, right? Um, and at first, you know, being like a people pleaser, you know, I didn't really know how to handle it. But now as an, as an adult um, who is, doesn't accept that behavior in my life, I don't accept it for others as well. And so, um, you know, I obviously won't ever be disrespectful to people, but um, I think that there, it's important to be able to um, not participate and not, um, and allow the moment to to be known that it's not okay in the moment to show that, right? To validate that it's not okay that it's occurring. Um, okay, the next one is using your fears to control you. So, you know, things that you're scared about, using it like, um, I'm trying to think of like an example off the top of my head. Um, so, you know, you know, like if you're worried that, you know, um, 
someone is going to be mad at you and then they say, well, if you, if you do this thing, you know, this, this person's not going to be in a relationship with you anymore and, and they're going to cut you off. No one's going to like you and everybody's going to talk behind your back. Like using one of your fears, right, to, to, to cut you down, right, and to control you essentially is what they're doing. Um, exaggerating your flaws in order to shame and blame you. That one used to happen to me a lot when, um, when I was in an unhealthy relationship. Um, it, it was that it was, you know, like things that I would do maybe once or like when things got really out of hand, like if, if I would, you know, have a behavior that like I was pushed to my limit and I would just, you know, explode or whatever. And then it would be like, you do that all the time. And I'd be like, actually, I don't. Like, I don't do that all the time. It's not something I do constantly. And you provoked it. Like, you put, it was like pushing a bear into a corner with a stick, a sharp stick. And, of course, I growled and tried to claw my way out, right? Don't, you know, you know, like, that's the thing is that when someone is being abusive, right, they're usually trying to conjure up, um, to make you look bad, right? So just make sure that, um, if someone's doing that on the regular, like, you know, always exaggerating, like, yeah, she's always freaking out. It's like, actually I'm not, I'm really an even keel kind of person. <laughs> and, you know, and if you need to, you start, you know, writing a journal of like that. I know that really helped me of like writing down a journal of like my experiences. And then it was easy to look back and be like, yeah, actually that wasn't happening. This on the other hand was happening. Right. And having an account for it. Okay, um, uh, lying about something to make you think that you're crazy. Um, so like making up a story so that you look like your story is off and weird, right? Um, that's abusive, right? And we shouldn't be sweeping it under the rug. And we shouldn't be giving second and third and fourth chances for it because it's unhealthy, right? Um, withholding affection to punish you, right? Um, treat, you know, this is really common. I see this in a lot of people. A lot of people that I coach will report to me that, um, when their partners get mad, they'll give them, you know, like the silent treatment, right. To, to punish them for like, you know, a few days, you know, um, that's unhealthy. That's a very big red flag and it's an emotional abuse tactic. And when someone's doing that to you, it's not okay, it's not healthy, and you need to rethink, you know, what the relationship really is. Okay. Um, and so the next one was giving you the silent treatment. And that was um, the end of the emotional blackmail. And that's what kind of emotional blackmail looks and feels like. The next one is um, having erratic behavior in a relationship. So people that make outrageous and contradictory statements, right? Kind of almost like it's like almost like for show, but it's it's kind of like it's like keeps you on your toes type relationship where you're like you don't know if they're going to have like this outburst or not, right? Like you're always on eggshells with them. Um abusive, not healthy, right? And um you steer clear of that because um that's when we end up it's like Abuse doesn't happen overnight, right? Like where like one day you're in like this perfect relationship and then the next, the next it's like they're like, you know, coming at you with a knife or whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it's not like those extremes. What it is is 
you don't just one day wake up and realize like, oh my gosh, they're a different person. No, it's, it's subtle things at the very beginning, like especially with gaslighting, right? It's subtle comments like, oh, people just don't understand you. I remember I used to hear that one all the time. Oh, people will just not, they don't understand you because you're so amazing. You're so different. Like they, at first it's kind of sounds like a compliment, right? So that, so that it's weird. So it's covert. So you don't understand it. Right. And then once you get into, to the relationship 20 years, it's, well, you're so weird. No one, no one's going to get you. Like people just don't get you because you're weird. Right. But I love you. I'm the one that loves you. Okay. That's abuse that has gone from, you know, like when you're first dating, those little comments that seem like backhanded compliments, right? That you can't really like put your finger on it. Like you're like, no, it sounded kind of rough, but he was like being so sweet. Like it's not, and, and you need to start recognizing those things, right? People need to be aware um, and have conversations with people. Like someone said this to me, does this sound off to you? Right. Um, and take their opinion with a grain of salt. Cause usually like for me, when I woke up and realized I was in an abusive marriage, when I looked around at all my other relationships, they were all toxic and unhealthy and abusive too. So like, cause like attracts like, right? So I had no one to go to. I mean, I had like, I could count on one hand the amount of people that I could go to safely, right? With my information of, I think I'm in a, I think I'm in an abusive relationship, right? So with that, um, just know that it's, it's like over time and take over, you know, like just take everybody's opinions with a grain of salt, you know, because you never know if they're in an unhealthy relationship and they just see things just like the other person, right? That, that is actually being abusive. So, okay. So, um, Having so when people have erratic behaviors, so having things like drastic mood changes that seem to come out of the blue, like you know, like one minute they're fine, the next minute they're freaking out, right? For like no reason, and you're kind of like, Why are you so upset? Um, not that's unhealthy and it's abusive. Um, making every everybody else kind of bend to their their emotional state, if you will. Behaving in unpredictable ways, um, that make you constantly fearful, like. Like, oh my gosh, am I not going to be able to go out with my friends tonight because they're going to throw a big old fit, right? That kind of stuff is, is abusive. That's not, and that's not a way to live, right? Um, okay, the next form of abuse is controlling behavior, okay? And this one, with along with gaslighting, I feel like this gaslighting and codependency are probably the top three things that are so um, prevalent in our society that people don't even bat an eye at anymore. Right. Um, we have so many controlling relationships out there that we, that's just what we see. So monkey see monkey do our children are watching it. They're realizing like, Oh, I just have to be emotionally controlling to someone else to get what I want to get them to behave in the way that suits me. Right. It's not healthy. So telling, um, telling you that you can't or who you can and cannot talk to. If someone tries to tell you how you can behave or that you can and cannot talk to someone, know that that's a controlling behavior because a healthy person, right? Like let's say that there is a person that is not healthy in their perspective or in your perspective, right? That's outside of your intimate relationship, like a third party, okay? They're, let's say 
they want your man. I'm going to give an example, right? That they are going after your man. They are trying to like, right? They are trying to get in your man's pants and they're trying to take your man out from underneath you. Let's just say that is the gig, this third person. It's still not okay for you to say you can't talk to her. You're not allowed to talk to her. But we, what is acceptable and what is healthy is it's my personal boundary that I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who wants to participate in a relationship with someone who has made it clear that they have this kind of behavior with you, that they can't control themselves, that they don't desire to control themselves. Um, so I, you do what you want, right? And I, I just, I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that wants, that decides that they, and that's okay, right? I'm not going to, I'm not going to mandate what you do, but I'm going to mandate what I do. I don't want that person in my life. I don't want that person in my intimate relationship, right? So that you make the boundary for yourself. It's not for the other person. It's to say that person doesn't make me feel safe. That third party doesn't make me feel safe, right? I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that chooses people that over me, you know, that chooses to um, interact and be with, be around people that clearly threaten the safety of my relationship with them. I don't want that for myself. I want people who, and can see, right? Like if you're like seeing that there's like a person that's like being very aggressive like that with you, right? It's interesting to me that like if someone really does care for you and love you, that they, you know, I understand that there's people that are very tricky, right? And they're going to, they're going to be able to hide things really well from like males don't see things the way that females do. But at the same time, like, like if you guys are really close and really intimate, like they're not going to want anybody to mess with your back either, right? They're going to be like, like, yeah, I can feel every time that every time we're in the room together, she has tension with you, right? Like, I don't know if she's like trying to get on me, which obviously men are, men can, can like lie about that too. But what I'm saying is like, if there is clearly tension you your partner who cares it that is healthy and cares for you is going to not gaslight you and say it's not happening when you clearly can feel and have experience of it happening and say that I, I don't want to participate in that either because I care about you and I want to be with you and I love you and I want you to feel safe in our relationship right that's what a healthy person would do but a, an unhealthy person would be like Oh, you can't, can, you can't control me. And you'd be like, I'm not trying to control you. I'm just putting up a boundary for myself that I don't want to be in a relationship with someone who, you know, can't validate my experience and know that that other person's not for me. And that's okay. Right. Move on. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, don't try to control them by saying you can't do something. You just put up a boundary for you. That's the healthy way to do it. Um, accusing you of cheating or being jealous in, um, wait, accusing you of cheating and being jealous of other relationships. So if someone is constantly, that used to happen to me all the time. And a lot of times when people are accusing you of cheating, 
because you know if you're cheating or not, right? And if you're being accused of it and you know you're not, right? First off, you shouldn't ever have to try to, like, prove that, right? Someone who loves you, they're going to know because they're going to know you, right? But um, usually it's because the person who is accusatory is usually doing the cheating, right? Or they have really bad self-esteem, and so um, they are insecure in relationships, and they're they're jealous of, of you. So um, if someone's accusing you, that's a form of control, and if they're really jealous of your relationships, that's a form of control, and it's not healthy, it's abusive. Um, if they monitor your phone, your computer, and your social media accounts, right, that's a form of abuse. Okay, or whatever. It doesn't even have to be one of those. It can be they're monitoring something because they don't trust you. That's a form of abuse and control. Um, demanding to know where that you are at all times and that you send proof. Again, that means that they don't trust, right? That there's no trust in the relationship anymore. So at some point, if you don't trust someone, even if it's warranted, like let's say there was an event to warrant that you can't trust them anymore. You have to really look at yourself and say, well, is this relationship healthy for me then? Because I can't, after this experience, I can't trust. You know, that takes a long time to build back. So can I be in this relationship anymore after that? A lot of people stay when they can't trust and then they become controlling because of it and it's not healthy. Okay. Um, demanding to, oh no, we already did that one. Attempting to isolate you from your family and or your friends. Um, and this one happened to me and it was, like I said, it started out really, really subtle. Um, and it was a lot of the time stuff that I wouldn't be able to be aware of, like talking behind my back, bad behind my back. So, you know, having conversations, um, with, with no good intention behind my back about me, so that I would be isolated, so that eventually um, I would have no one to go to but the person that I was most intimate with, right? And it, that's really unhealthy and it's really abusive. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't recognize when that's occurring for them, right? Um, but if people are saying things like, this is the comments that you need to look out for when people are trying to isolate you is that you're so different. No, you might be different, but we don't need to be promoting that and, and saying that all the time. Like everybody's different. We're all unique. Okay. That promoting that to you is not healthy. Okay. You're so different. Nobody understands you, but me, right? They don't get you. I've tried. I've tried to talk them into to like letting you go on the girls trips. I've tried, but they just, nobody really gets you. You're just, you're just so different. And if you're a different race than, than your partner or in your partner's friends, right? That's another thing to be cautious of. If they're telling you, well, it's just cause your race, they don't get you because of your race. We're all human. And yeah, we grow up with different privileges and, and different cultural backgrounds but that doesn't mean that you can't be relatable, right? Truly, you could go to another country and not speak a word of their language and you can find common commonalities and you can find ways to connect with people. Believe me, I've done it, okay? So 
That means that when someone's trying to tell you that because of your race or your language, that no one's going to get you and that that's just how it is, red flag and it's controlling. Okay. All right. Well, the next one that I think is really, really important, um, and it's not a form of emotional abuse, but it is a result of abuse within your lifetime. It, it becomes um, a habit and a, and a way you enter and thrive within relationships, and it's codependency, okay? And a lot of people don't know what codependency is, um, merely for the fact that they really, and what I thought it was, and this is what a lot of people think it is, is that you're just dependent on other people's emotions, right? And that is a part of codependency, but that's not the whole scope of it, right? Um, and I loved the way I there was this one um, psychologist that stated that love isn't codependent and that codependency means that you are dependent on the relationship versus being in the relationship for joy, love, and all the healthy, thriving benefits of why we, as humans, try to become in, in intimate partnerships, right? And and why human relationships are really, really important with one another, right? All the really healthy, thriving aspects of a relationship um, aren't what's keeping you there, right? And so when it's something like financial financial support, right? Like I have to stay with them because I can't make it on my own financially, right? That's a codependent relationship. When I have to stay there because I've made children with this person and I don't want to break up the family. Now you're dependent, right? You're you're not in the relationship for the right reasons, right? Um, I remember I was just recently out, you know, and I was asking some this person that I don't know very well, but I see them regularly, like how their day was, and then they responded to me and told me some of their their personal issues and problems, and um, and then I said, well, it just seems like you're, you know, there's some abuse in your relationship, and you you probably aren't loving yourself and that's why you're staying. And then that person clearly replied back to me, well, it's because I grew up poor and I don't um, want to ever have to go back again, having two incomes and having children. I don't want to do it. Right. And you see that, you know, it's survival. Um, I even talked to another friend just recently where she talked about um, her abusive relationship for many, many years um, and she said it was because she was already in the thick of it, you know, that she had a couple kids by that time when she realized it was just South, the relationship itself. And then she, um, she didn't want to uproot her kids. She didn't want to have to have visitations where, you know, her kids were alone with, you know, that person maybe being taken care of and maybe not being taken care of. And believe me, as a single mom, I totally understand that, right? I understand that that power of choice because it's scary, right? When, you know, when you know what your children are going to be experiencing in your home, but when it, when it ends up being in someone else's home, that is not your home any longer. You never really know um, what could occur. So all those things of really having an attachment, right? Not based off of, um, the healthy aspects of a relationship of like joy and wanting and desire and wanting to be with this person and love. Right. Um, so what are, 
what are some of the traits so that we can kind of look out for like, am I codependent? I mean, am I in a codependent relationship? How can I detect what a codependent relationship is? So someone who is codependent is first off a people pleaser, right? Um, I was a people pleaser for 35 years. I'm a recovering people pleaser. Um, I still to this day, um, sometimes will like say things, it was like word vomit will come out of my mouth because I want to make people like feel, feel okay and safe, right? That's a people pleaser codependent uh, trait. The next one is has no or porous boundaries. Like we talked about, um, you need to have boundaries in your life, things that make you feel safe. Like if you don't want, you know, someone who is entertaining, someone who is clearly trying, trying to break up your relationship, then you need to have that boundary for yourself. And you need to say, this isn't okay with me, right? This is my boundary that I only am in relationships with people that are crazy about me, right? That should be the new norm. Um, is, And then the next one is the person's always in the giver role and rarely in the receiver role. That's a sign that you might be a codependent. Always sacrificing their own needs and the well-being for others. Again, constantly self-sacrificing, having no needs. That usually comes from a childhood where if you did have needs, it was stressful. There was too much going on in the family. There's too much gaps for your parents that they were, you know, like whether it be money, whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be abuse, physical abuse, you know, if you had a need, then they were already dealing with so much that who do you think you are, right? To have, to have regular needs, right? So that's where that comes from. Um, a person who's codependent avoids conflict because doesn't want to rock the boat, doesn't want people to abandon them, right? Doesn't want people to dislike them. They really care highly of what other people think of them. They care more about what other people think than they do of themselves. Sad. I used to do it for, like I said, 36 years. I cared more about what everybody else thought around me and it's not healthy um, than I did about what I thought myself. Um, extremely flexible and bends over backwards for others, but then doesn't take care of their, su- their self in the same regard. So gives everybody else grace, does everything for everyone else, but then when it comes to themselves, they don't do it. They're self-sacrificing, they lack self-care, so they don't take care of themselves, right? Emotionally, mentally, physically, whatever that avenue is for them. Um, they think that they are the rescuer for other people. I really, truly believe that for so many years. I thought that I was a rescuer for my ex and his kids. I was like, oh, I'm going to save them. I'm going to be the best mom. I'm going to be the best wife. I'm going to be the best, right? Um, you'll never be the best. You'll be you. And you got to be okay with that. you got to be happy with who you show up to be, right? For you, not for everybody else. Um, need the codependent person needs constant reassurance from others. And that's how someone knows, Hey, I could abuse them because if you need a reassurance from other people about who you are or that you're pretty or all these things, that's a clear sign for people that want to take advantage of you. Um, saying yes to others requests when you really want to say no. So not, not doing what you really want and then having resentment from it. That's where resentment stems from, right? And then difficulty honoring yourself. So when you don't honor yourself, um, then you end up, you know, honoring everybody else and really what it does is it breaks the bond and the trust between you and you. And, and that really crumbles some really important foundations so that you can actually have healthy relationships with other people. 
Okay, so um, like we talked about, usually, you know, a codependent person usually becomes codependent from their childhood. Um, there are some cases where people can do it from like young adulthood, right? They can get into a really abusive, um, emotionally abusive relationship or a physically abusive relationship um, as a young adult, and then that can trigger things. But usually, if you've had a childhood where your parents have fulfilled your needs, you're usually able to do that on your own and not allow someone to take over so much, right? Um, it's usually the people that have had traumatic experiences like kids, um, not feeling safe, right? Not maybe not having mom or dad a lot, um, those kinds of things. And, and then, or if there was just too much going on in the home and their needs couldn't, you know, weren't priority, that's how they, they come. It's like subconscious. Then it, it trains you, you know, like my needs are not important. And so I need to make sure that I am self-sufficient without needs, right? Um, so one thing to think of, and I think these are really important to share, is that there's some really common beliefs of a codependent. And when I heard these, when I was learning this information, I remember it just like hit home. So I'm going to share them with you guys because I think it's really important to, to unwind these for yourself if you truly believe this. Um, okay, so a codependent will believe if I prioritize everyone else's needs above my own, right, then they'll behave in a certain way and then they'll love me. So if I do all, if I'm really amazing and if I like sacrifice myself, then they're going to love me back. That's not how we get love. Okay. That's not how it works. You shouldn't have to be anything to receive love. And that is something that I have to work on every day because I went like one third of my life, remember, where I was in codependent relationships and where I was receiving a lot of abuse. And so now when someone like does stuff for me, I always, I always think like, okay, I have to, I have to do this, right? Like, but no, you don't, you just have to be to receive, right? You don't have to do anything special to be in the relationship. You just get to be you and how you will be is good enough. And if you're inspired to do certain things, that's wonderful, but you just have to be, okay? If I cater to others, others are, will cater to me. That is not the case. And I have lived a lifetime that I can clearly tell you that is not the case. <laughs> um, if I take care of others, they will naturally take care of me. Nope. Again, no. If I bend over backwards and don't complain, then they will pat me on the back and give me praise. Now, that's how someone trains someone to be a codependent, right? That's how you become one because someone does that. Every time that you bend over backward and don't complain, look at you're so amazing. You take care of all those kids and you just support them and you're like the best wife and the best homemaker and blah, 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 blah. Right. That felt good. Felt good to get a compliment of somebody to see, see that I was like awesome. Right. But it wasn't constant, right. I wasn't constantly getting compliments and it doesn't mean that, that people are going to, right. Like some people are never going to see that how much you did. And you just have to do things because you want to do it out of your heart, not because you want the compliment, right? Or that you want someone to love you because that's not real love. Um, if you have no needs and wants, then, and don't stand up for, or if I have no needs and wants and don't stand up for myself, others will stay in the relationship with me. And that again is not true, right? Um, we have seen time and time again, that stuff's not true. Okay, so things that you need to do to love yourself and not be in a codependent relationship is recognize that no one else is above you, is number one rule. 
Um, do not lie to people, so don't say yes when you really mean no. That's one of the surefire ways to get yourself into trouble and putting everybody else above yourself. Um, don't be afraid to rock the boat when necessary. Remember, you are a real person that should be valued and you have an opinion. It doesn't mean you're always right, but you're allowed to have your opinion and you're allowed to be truthful. That is what people want from you. Well, healthy people. Um, honor your opinion and yourself. Um, next, seek your own permission, permission and approval. You don't need that from anybody else. That's not an outside source job. That's within here. Honor and respect your body. Okay. Honor your emotions um, are saying to you. So if you're feeling stress and anxiety, listen to that. Why are you feeling stress and anxiety? What, what is it trying to tell you? Your body's trying to tell you something. Okay. Um, and then let go of what you can't control, right? Codependents usually are really controlling because the, they can't control a lot in their, their world, right? So they, they want to hold on to like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I got to get into this college or whatever it might be, right? And then always choose love over fear. All right. Well, that is all I had for you on abuse and relationships. I know that was a lot. Um, it was even a lot for me to like shine out to you. Um, but, um, I think it's really important. I think those are some of the main hitters for us to really think about when we're in relationships. Like I said, there's so much covert abuse going on in the world. Um, and since there is a lot of unhealth in, family dynamics and relationships in general, I think sometimes we just um, deem things as normal and pass it off as acceptable when really it's unhealthy. And so if we're really loving ourselves and living from a heart-centered space, um, we're going to gear ourselves towards what is really healthy, right? We're going to set ourselves up for that and we're not going to, we're going to put up boundaries to make sure that when we're in relationships um, that we're re requiring other people to participate with us in the same manner. All right. Well, I hope you have a wonderful day and don't forget, take care and love yourself. Bye. Mm -hmm.